This is Phil Nichols, and I play the character of Renfield in Renfield the Undead. <laughs> Hello, Donnie. How are you? <laughs> Jack Harrison, action actor and stunt coordinator of all three stunt teams. I played the character Idiot in the movie Dismal, and you listen to Gruesome Hurt Song. Played the evil, wacky, and funny Renfield in the movie Renfield the Undead. And um, it's going to be a big face-off here today. It's going to be Renfield versus Gruesome. We'll see who wins. But anyways, Phil, how are you? I am fantastic, or should I say fantastic? How are you? <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm glad to have you on here. Um, as you know, I reviewed Renfield. and uh, Yes. And yes, I, and I, I, I hope I live up to your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be honest with you, as you also know, um, I am not a Dracula or vampire fan. I was never into it. Um, but I've been following Renfield for quite a while. I interviewed Shelley Boozer. We uh, briefly talked about it a couple months ago. And I did more deep research, and then I got in contact with your sister, Melissa. And right. then the toxic mixture of Gruesome and Renfield was born. So I got the movie the other day and I got the poster. Thank you very much. That's a badass poster. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're most welcome. And then I decided to pop us in and uh, I want to tell you something. I said it and I'll say it again. I don't care if people get tired of hearing it. But the film was more than what I expected. Um, I enjoyed it very much. I love the character of Renfield. You never knew where he's going next. And I just thought it was cool when you, you got this wimpy vampire who's trying to, t- to take you out, but you're like triple his size. You know, it's like um, you're fighting a, a rag doll. And I thought that was cool because the Renfield character, I said it before, and I don't want to confuse anybody, but the character from Spawn, um, John Lacuzamo played as the fat, evil you know, funny and evil character. Well, just the character aspect of it, not the, uh, you know, not the um, physical, but there's similarities to, like, you don't know if you, in one breath, you let somebody live because they helped you, and then the, the next level is you'll kill somebody j- just for the hell of it. So that I thought that was neat, and the comic book theory I thought was really cool. You know. Yeah, well, uh, the the analogy to clown I didn't think of, but that's really cool and that's really on the money there. Uh, you know, um, Renfield's crazy, and half the time when I was writing it, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I put it on paper. Um, uh, you know, and I, and you're the kind of person we made this movie for. We made it for people that 
are not the traditional Dracula, Anne Rice, uh, Twilight vampire fans. Uh, we made this for everybody, you know, for the people that have to sit through that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, and uh, we wanted to make a creature feature, and we wanted to do a comic book movie. So uh, I'm glad you picked up on all that stuff. I, I, you know, you, you put it all in there, and you hope people get it, and so far... They get it, and thanks for all the kind things you've said about it. Hey, no problem. You know, I just, you know, it's going to be getting around, uh, it will be getting around eventually, and I think you'll be getting contacted by other podcasts, which it's well-deserving. But I'm telling you, um, when Renfield does get out there, there's, it, it's, it's going to be successful. I, I cannot see it not being successful, because, number one, you have one part of it as comic book fans will be, really big on it. Then you have the Dracula vampire fans that's there for it. And then you have guys like me who don't really like vampires or Dracula, but they're curious to watch it, and it's going to give them a different spin. I mean, yeah, the the Dracula in this film I thought was badass. I think it's John Stevens, right? Who played him? Yeah, that was... Yeah, John John has been with us since, uh, since it was a play. And... um, I, I don't like the romantic vampires no. because vampires are reanimated corpses. They smell bad. All they want is your blood. And all this romance stuff, I just don't get that. Right. So when, when, we were, when we were deciding what to do with our Dracula, we went back to uh, Murnau's Nosferatu, this ugly, hideous, rat-fanged, long-nailed creature. And in Stoker's novel, he describes him as being very hairy. So we put those two things together, and that became the look for the makeup. And then John, who is a huge uh, John Barrymore fan, um, I just said, well, what would Barrymore do if he if he uh, had to play this part? And that's all we had to tell him, and then he did what you saw in the movie, and he was freaking creepy. Yep. He creeped us all out, because once I got him in the makeup, because at the start of the morning, I put him in his makeup. Then I put everybody else in their makeup, and then I put myself in my makeup. Um, he stayed in character once we got him in that. Yeah. And he would hide behind things just to scare people. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he was really into it. And, uh, you know, um, that dinner scene, the unnerving is, is pretty real. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like, oh, what's he going to do? Oh, he's pointing at me. Oh, that's scary. You know, that that kind of a thing. But I could not have been happier with John Stevens, and it is his first first feature film role. Right. Um, he's primarily a stage actor. He's he's uh, he'll admit to his late sixties, but we actually think he's a little bit older. Um, and uh, he's he's been stomping the boards for that long, so he brings all of that years of, of experience to it. I mean, he can do with a look right. what some people could never do. And uh, we could not have asked for a better actor to play Count Dracula for him. Well, see, that's another thing about this movie that kind of I like, too. Because the normal Dracula films or these good-looking guys that look like um, homos. <laughs> now, I don't mean well, that in a bad way, but he... Well, had... that's the Anne Rice thing, where she brought in the homoeroticism, and it just kind of became a stable for it, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the way it was pre-mid-1970s. Right. right. I mean, you know, that wasn't the way it was. So but we I'll, went back. Right, but I like the idea of it as him having hair, him looking, you know, 
ugly, you know, like a Dracula should be. I mean, after all, he is a creature, a blood-sucking, you know, monster. So that fit perfectly. But, you know, the, the, the whole cast, I thought, overall, were very... You know, they, they like uh, gel together. I, I thought it was well acting. You know, it, it, it's just a fun film. I think people are, are going to dig this film. I know it. Well, I hope so. And I hope, I hope that everybody has a good time because that's the whole reason for this movie. It's fun. You know, whether you're into it or not, you can at least enjoy, oh my God, did he just do that? You know, that, that kind of shock value for it, at least through one, one viewing. Right. Uh, and there's some stuff that's cut out that we really didn't want to cut out. We really didn't want to cut it out. But you have a running time that you have to make, and uh, the first cut of the film was pushing three hours. Right. And, uh, you know, so we'll release the extended cut if, if there's if there's a market for it. Uh, but there are some things that Mr. Renfield does that didn't make this cut that uh, deserve a, a look, particularly in the police station. There's a whole, there's like 20 more minutes of them interrogating him in the police station, and he's just giving them the business, <laughs> just like he does. You know, he'll, he'll fly by, come by, he'll eat the fly, and they'll go, oh, well, that's disgusting. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a nasty habit, but so's cocksucking, so I'm sure you can relate. That's <laughs> funny. So, yeah, so he was, yeah. he was just flipping it to him, but, but the running time. So we had to, we had to make hard choices when we, when we were doing the final cut. Right. And then, of course, the police officer, which I really thought it was unique, is right from the start, I don't like bugs. You know? Well, that was, yeah, there's spoke our budget was, was not the highest budget, and uh, some of the CGI people we hired uh, didn't actually work out. So there's supposed to be a lot more CGI bugs in that. I mean, the, the city is supposed to be completely infested with bugs. Right. Um, and we hope to be able to bring some of that in uh, more and more as the film gets out there and we can do some remastering and things like that. Uh, but this is the best version of my script that we could make for the budget and time we had to make it in. Well, it's, it, it, it passed my, uh, my grade. But um, if you want to, you can mention to the listeners. I mentioned it in the interview. But there was a, a, a YouTube video <laughs> that when you guys were filming the video, the movie, you have your Mexican brothers over there weed-whacking. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Do you want to explain well, to, to listeners exactly what I'm talking about? Sure. Okay, first of all, the Renfield makeup is very uncomfortable to wear, and I would be in it for 18 hours a day. Uh, generally, um, and I should mention, I also had walking pneumonia for the full four months of the shoot, so yeah. I was always having a fever. I was never well, and uh, the coat and all the costume that I wear is made of leather, and velvet and all that stuff. So combined, the coat and everything weighed about 50 pounds on top of me, and I was just not having it. Every time we'd try, it was it was the scene where I'm on the cell phone, that little bit of thing. So all I needed was to get that bit. Right. And it was take 25. And every time we'd start to fire up those weed whackers, so I was just like, all right, that's it, Seth, bring the camera. So we went outside, and uh, what you see on YouTube is what happened. <laughs> I love that. But I will post that that video underneath the interview so people can get a chance to watch that. But it, but that was cool to watch that that little dude's face. He's like, Ooh. yeah. I, I, 
I didn't know what they would do, but but it was just that deer in the headlights thing. He's like, if I move, he'll chase me. So let me just stand here. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But yeah. But... And you know, and we, we're doing real vampires, so real vampires always have blood coming out of their mouth. So of course I've got that punch mouth with all that blood caked on my face. So yeah, I'm sure they thought it was Chupacabra coming to get them or something like that. And uh, <laughs> it was it was fun. And there's a lot more of that kind of stuff. We have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that we're, we're getting around to doing. Uh, some of the green screen shots when Willard Kane gets kicked and goes flying across the warehouse. We've got one shot of him going, wee yeah. as he goes flying. Um, just a lot of fun stuff. And uh, and they're, they're working on it. Uh, we didn't know what the reaction we were going to get from the film. And it's been amazingly positive, even in Great Britain, which is Dracula country. Right. Um so now we're going to start uh, releasing more and more snippets of the behind-the-scenes stuff because we shot for 35 shooting days, and there was a lot of hard work that went into that movie. Wow. Well, I, I think it's going to pay off. I really do. But now, you also won an award as, an, as a director. Am I correct? Yes, I did. Uh, I directed a short uh, uh, film on, on special makeup effects, how to apply it and have, how to have fun with it. Uh, it was called How to Make a Monster, and uh, uh, we got a, a, a gold award at the Houston World Fest in 2005 for that. Um, and that was shot uh, earlier than that. It was shot on our downtime when we were shooting Sick, actually. Uh, the crew from Sick was, was my crew on that. And uh, we, we just put that together just for giggles to see what, what we could do, and it, we got it cut together and sent it out there and all of a sudden winning a major award so that wasn't too shabby at all uh-huh. and you played uh, the friendish Dr. Phil of all names <laughs> yeah the fiend, well the fiendish Dr. Phil is my Halloween name you know it's, it's my stage name in the Halloween industry okay uh, uh, it's it, I'm I'm an artist in, in Halloween world I sculpt a lot of uh, wax museum uh, portrait busts of, of the famous monsters and creatures and things like that and uh, my my artist signature for that is the fiendish Doctor Phil. Um, so that's that's the character I was playing, and uh, that's also uh, if any of the indie filmmakers out there have ever used the real effects makeup prosthetics in their movies, that's me, and you're welcome. Uh, because uh, I, that's why I made those was for people that could uh, get some kind of decent makeup effects in the movies for not a lot of money. Oh, cool! So. And then Melissa played Ms. Monsterella. Now, is that her yes. name in the Halloween world too? It is, it is. That's her horror hostess Halloween world name, Miss Monsterella. Um, we, uh, we were actually dubbed those names by some other horror hosts out of Ohio, uh, the late Dr. Lady, um, who runs the horror, the horror hotel out of Ohio. He's the one that dubbed us, uh, the Fiendish Dr. Phil and Miss Monsterella. Um, stuff going on for Poison Apple Films right now is we're in pre-production on Project Pangea, Dinosaurs Unleashed. Uh, that's a script that Melissa wrote from a, an idea I came up with, and um, I'm going to direct it, and Melissa and Bob Willems are, are producing it. Um, right now we're in financing on it, and I've begun to lock in some cast, and we'll have a couple uh, quote uh, name actors involved with it. I can't give you specifics on that until financing's in place and deals are signed, but uh, um, we're going to have a few a few uh, genre vets in it um, and it's basically uh, going back to the Roger Corman Carnosaur type uh, type picture 
Uh, we've got, uh, we've got, and Melissa's really into the, uh, the Cold War, uh, Soviet stuff that Stalin was doing. So she's got this, uh, Project Chimera scientist daughter working on, uh, continuing the mother's research in a small Texas town in the woods, um, taking, uh, dinosaur DNA, making these hormone serums and injecting it into people to try and perfect this super soldier race or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, and the science is actually based on what's happening right now in fossil research. You know, that's, that's, uh, paleontology is one of our, our hobbies. We're armchair paleontologists and, and I got this, seeing all this stuff coming in these journals and I'm like, oh my God, wow. this would make an excellent movie. So that's where I cooked up the, the plot line and I said, Melissa, would you write this? And she went off and she wrote it and it's a fantastic screenplay. It is hilarious. Wow. You think Renfield's funny. This one is, because you've got a small Texas town, so you've got all those unique characters that are in a small Texas town. You throw in a crazy Russian scientist and dinosaurs, then we've got something here. So uh, we're in pre-production on it. I have meetings scheduled all week, actually, and then later today we'll be working on some of the uh, the uh, sculptures for some of the dinosaur suits uh, in, in the lab. Right. So and Roxy Hickson is the Russian doctor, right? Yes, Roxy Hickson will play Dr. Petrova. I'm going, uh, one of the things with Poison Apple Films that we want to do is we want to create a, a stable of stars, uh, from, from the people that, that deserve to be used in horror movies, that they, they get it, they give great performances, they, uh, they want to do it, uh, they're fun to work with. So Roxy is going to continue on with us. She's one of our screen queens, and Shelly Boozer is going to continue on with us, uh, and be in it as well. Oh, yeah. uh, Roxy plays Dr. Petrova, who is the, the daughter of Colonel Dr. Petrova, who was the one that was doing all the research for Stalin. Colonel Dr. Petrova will be played by Yankee Grant. Uh, she played the district attorney yep. in Renfield. Yep. So, uh, she'll be, she'll be, uh, uh, having a small role there. Uh, uh, you'll see a lot of the Renfield cast in this, but also some, some, uh, more known Hollywood, uh, vets will be in it as well. Nice. Um, we're planning to shoot this fall, and that, that is all pending, uh, the financing coming in right now. Right. Uh, and that's what, what we're waiting on. Uh, Seth Conway will be the cinematographer. He shot Renfield. Yep. I'll be directing. I'll be using a lot of the crew that worked with us on the Boggy Creek remake, uh, the AD staff and that, and, and a lot of the grips and electrics and that will come in and be a part of it because they've had experience doing creature in the woods stuff. So we can really rock it out, the dinosaurs stalking the, the woods and, and, and just slaughtering people. And uh, as you've seen in Renfield, I like like twisting it up a bit. You know, it's not just a decapitation. It's a decapitation of the spinal column. Yes. So... When we get to uh, the dinosaurs doing stuff, I've got so many blood pumps ready to go, it's going to make Hatchet look tame from the amount of blood that starts spewing out of these guys when the dinos get a hold of them. Nice. So, uh, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, now, one thing that I found out, um, Mel House um, is not a Dracula fan either. And, oh, uh, no. He had the same, basically the same persona as I had after watching it. But now, speaking of Mel House, are you open to talk about uh, some of your work in Walking Distance? I've never seen that. I'd like to. Uh, we just did a couple things for Mel. 
Um, you know, he's a friend of mine. In fact, his father lives one street over from me, and he used to be one of the kids that would come by my studio when I was when he was little. Oh, um, uh, I didn't know it at the time, <laughs> right? But, but you know, he was the kid on the bicycle that kept riding by. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so um, at least that's what he told me. So you know, um, I he he had this this thing and and had hired these other people to do the effects and they needed to shoot this effect to get these two actors and the other people weren't available so we came in for him and did an effect on Glenn Morshower and Kathy Lampkin where their faces melt together uh, and then there was this uh, they're, they're ripping this girl apart so we did we did the the human autopsy type rig on that cool. and the other thing we did was we made this giant flesh back that the creatures in his movie emerge through from when they come from the other dimension into this dimension. Um, just a few little gags, just to help out a guy. And uh, and because I did that for him, he came in and, and helped us out with Renfield to play the morgue attendant. Yeah, that was funny. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> but Yeah, but now he had a, a very uh, interesting death scene from Shelley Boozer, which I'm hoping... I want to see the, the reaction of the watchers, but uh, it was so cute to see Shelley Boozer in that kind of a role because I never seen her in that kind of a role before. So it, it was kind of uh, very uh, unique to see. Well, she's fantastic. In fact, I wanted her to play Doctor Johnson. Uh, she's she's who we approached first, uh, but she didn't know us, and she didn't know if she wanted to devote that much time because we had a very limited budget. So she just said she'd take a smaller role. Right. And I thought, well, if I'm going to give you a small role, i got to give you one that's going to stand out, you know, that's going to be fun and, and you'll be able to do something with. And uh, the Officer Craig role was, was one of the most fun roles that I'd written, and I thought of her immediately. So, And she really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, she really did. She played that vampire really great. And, uh, you know, my direction for Mel was, you know, just think of the Dawn of the Dead scream. <laughs> she tears into you. Right. And... Uh, and he did, and she did, and it's it's you know that whole sequence from from the uh, the uh, killing of the cops in the alley, then going outside with the photographer panning up the building on me with the, on the roof, looking down on the morgue. Her, that whole sequence there is one of my favorite sequences in the film. Uh, just the way it all cut together and the way Jeff Walton scored it, I, I just think it's a really great sequence. Right, and um, I thought for sure that her gun would go off. What's that? I, was, I thought for sure that her gun would go off. When, oh, well. Um. <laughs> I heard that story, too. That was an afterthought. It was too late, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I put you in the spot. Things, things happen, things don't happen. Oh, well. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll cut that out. I'll just razz you. Um, there's another short film. I think it's yeah, a short film that Melissa was talking about to me. Um, spoiled Rotten in 2011. Yeah, that's actually where your uh, the thing she made your uh, marquee thing came from was the zombie from that film. Um, it was uh, a guy who was making a movie of a short story. I think the short story was called The Terrible Two or something like that, and it's a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, everybody's turning into zombies. And this family, you know, they're trying to survive as best they can, and their little boy gets bit. Oh. And he turns into a zombie, so 
What do mommy and daddy do? Well, they go out and kidnap people, bring them home, and feed them to the kid. No kidding. Um, and it's kind of strange, the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so eventually, you know, things, things don't go well for one of them, and I, and I won't tell what, but... We uh, we did some really great zombie makeups for that. I uh, the, uh, the director is a guy named Jeff Peoples, uh, and he had a really good imagination, and that's what you like is a, is a director with a vivid imagination that can see where you want to go with things and go with you, so that you're not always having to pull them. Right. Uh, and he wanted specifically this this zombie creature to have his lips eaten away, which in decay is one of the first things that happens. The lips kind of dry up, rise up. So what we did was we created a special denture that fit inside his mouth and up over his lip, and then we built the prosthetics on over that. Oh, wow. um, and the kid that played him was a kid out of Austin, a uh, really tall, lean guy, so we could put a lot of grossness on him. And, uh, you know, it worked really well. The only problem was we were shooting in, the you know, August in Texas, and, and it was just really, really hot. Right. Uh, other than that, you know, there wasn't really any issues with with the with the shoot at all. We did uh, a couple heads that get shotgun blasts. We did uh, the carnage for all the zombies eating people. A lot of gut rigs, a lot of stuff like that. There's uh, there's the still gallery on the um, on the suspect side of all the cool stuff we did. Now, is, now is that available soon to be to be watched or no? Or, or... I have no idea. I really don't know what they're doing with it. I'll, I'll have to get in contact with him, but. Um, it actually took uh, the uh, top award in horror shorts at the World Fest this year. Cool. Uh, which I was really pleased to see. Uh, uh, when we were... Uh, I had to um, cut my tenure on that movie short. Uh, you know, we had to get everything done for that because we got the call to go to Boggy Creek. Um, uh, so uh, when we were driving up to shoot our last scene for them, we actually crossed Boggy Creek. While we were going up there, uh, right. which kind of kind of one of those little omen things, but uh, it, it turned out really well. Uh, he didn't have very much money, and he put everything he had over the course of one summer in it. And um, everything we did is on the screen, and he got rewarded justly with it with the top award at the World Fest. And uh, hats off to him. Good, cool. good, good little piece. Now, are you willing to talk a, a little about Bogey Creek as far as the the Bigfoot character? Sure, sure. Boggy Creek. Uh, it was a movie that that um, that we wanted to do. Boggy Creek, when we were kids, scared us to death, and uh, we wanted to do it. Uh, so we uh, we kind of uh, fronted a lot of the cost of the makeup effects. They really couldn't afford a lot of stuff. Um, and what we wound up doing when they first approached me, they wanted just a minimal stuff on the face and get a naked guy and paste hair on him uh, and I thought well that's not very good uh, you know people people that want to see this franchise want to see a Bigfoot creature right but, but their mythos is that these, these things have been been interbreeding with humanity so maybe the ape stuff's kind of bred down on them um, but we've reached a compromise with the creature being more hairy more bestial uh, more cool um, and um, and like I said, for suspects financed all the the making of the suits and all the gore stuff. Uh, normally, it takes us six to eight weeks to make stuff. We had three weeks here in the studio to get everything built. 
I didn't know who was playing what until like the week before we had to leave for location. So it was a lot of just general fit stuff, and then we would customize it once we got up on location. And Melissa and I worked 18-hour days here in Houston getting everything built. Um, and it's a lot of work because we, we didn't know. The script was very vague on a lot of the kills, you know. Right. So I, I was like, okay, well, this thing's kind of like a werewolf. What are we going to do? Okay, let's take that. Let's take this. And, and so we just came up with a lot of um, wounds and uh, gut rigs and bone rigs and anything that we could could take up there with us just to be ready because I really don't like telling anybody, no, you can't have that. Right. Um, and we, we rented a U-Haul and we loaded up practically our entire shop and transported it up to... Uh, to a little town, not I don't even know if you could call it a town, uh, called Uncertain, Texas. And it's right there on Cotto Lake, right across, you swim across the lake, you're in Louisiana. It's right there. Okay. Uh, in, in the heart of Texas Bigfoot country. It's in that triangle with Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we were shooting in, in the creature's hometown. Wow. <laughs> and it was, it was like being on Skull Island. I mean, it's... Talk about a hostile work environment. You had water moccasins. You had alligators. You had mosquitoes the size of quarters flying into your head. Damn. It was just horrid. And then trying to do makeup effects, you know, um, and get get the creature suits built because I, I, <laughs> I was still going on under the premise that we were going to paste hair on this guy's body. But I went ahead and I built muscle suits and everything here at the shop, I didn't have time to hair them until we got up there. So they went for the muscle suits, thankfully. Uh, we started pasting the hair on them. The minute we hit town, you know, generally they give you a little time to unpack and rest before they put you to work. Right. We hit town, and within an hour, we were killing one of the stars. I mean, it, it, it was one of those kind of shoots where everybody dug deep and did what had to be do done to... Uh, to, get, to make it good because people that were working on it <clears throat> had seen the first one you know grew up in the 70s were scared to death when the Bigfoot arm came through the, the bathroom window and uh, wanted to wanted to bring that kind of cool monster magic to this next generation right. I don't know if we did I haven't seen the film uh, but I do know that the stuff that we did for it is pretty freaking awesome and uh, hopefully it all made it into the film yep and th there's one more that I want to talk to you, ask you about, and then you, you can feel free to mention what you want. But you are a producer, uh, Midnight Abyss in 2011. Oh, Midnight Abyss, I was an associate producer. Uh, uh, they, um, they'd already shot most of their movie, and they, uh, they discovered me. <laughs> Living in the same town, they finally discovered we have a makeup effects lab here in town. <laughs> and, and they were doing a vampire film, and we had begun to post some of the images from Renfield on the web. And, and, and um, uh, Stephen Wolf, the young man who did Midnight Abyss, saw that and contacted me and wanted to know would I do a vampire disintegration for him, for his film. So that, that's what we did. Uh, uh, he, he used uh, a store-bought silicone vampire mask and stuff for his creature, so I kind of had to match what somebody else had already done for the initial look. But... What I wanted to do, and he agreed with, was start further into the disintegration so I could make it more shriveled and more nasty looking than, than the mask that they were using. And, and, and we went with that. And, of course, when I pull it out, everybody's like, oh, man, I wish that was our vampire. And I'm like, well, if you'd have called me, it could have been. Yeah. But um, we did that. It we built a puppet uh, where um, 
the head would rock back and forth, the jaw would open, and, and then through a series of monofilaments, you could pull different parts of the flesh off, revealing muscles underneath, and pump goo through it, and uh, some smoke and stuff. And we built a couple uh, strap-on prosthetics as it gets impaled on a giant tree branch uh, wooden stake. Uh, we made a, a rubber copy of that, and the uh, uh, so that they could do the impalement uh, through this integration. And uh, we didn't charge them any money, and that's why we got the associate producer's credit on that one. Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like I said before, I mean, um, I mentioned it in in, the, in my review, and I talked to Melissa. You know, there's a lot of movies out there that have you know decent uh, makeup effects, but there's ones that you see that the work is so good. That's what blew me away about Renfield is the fact is a lot of decapitations that you see in horror movies, it's always the head. It's never the spinal cord with it. <laughs> you know, and I thought that was so cool how, how, how you guys did that. For, for once, I finally seen the actual spinal cord, and that made it look so much more real, and I was blown away by that as well. Well, thanks, and that's that's part of my wicked sense of whimsy. <laughs> As, you know, everything's been done to death, and if you're going to do it, have fun with it. And right. I, and and of course, I was I was in Renfield mode at the time, and I was just like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Let me see what we could whip up." And I just whipped that up overnight, actually, because it really was just supposed. That scene wasn't supposed to be that long. It was just supposed to basically be a reaction shot on the photographer you hear the sounds of him slaughtering those guys and then they're on the ground right. that's where it was written but it was Saturday morning everybody was feeling frisky so <laughs> we decided to to do something and that, that's the way that, that went uh, there was another scene we shot that morning that will be it will have to be on the outtake cut because the, the photographer gets put in jail um, and we shot a scene of him in the cell where he is accosted by a young gay leather guy. And it is just the funniest thing that has ever been put on film. And I, I wanted that in the movie so bad, we all did, but again, we had to cut it for, uh, for time. Right. Um, and the funny thing is our costumer was actually playing the, the leather guy. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was hilarious. You know, it was a Saturday morning. I said, everybody was pretty freaky. So, uh, so it, it went very well. Yeah. You know, I, you keep saying that you had to cut it down from three hours. But that's what I like about this film. As much as you cut out of it, it was still well entertaining. And that, that's the part that really um, impresses me. You know well, what I mean? Well, that's the way I... Yeah, that's the way I write. If I'm going to write something for somebody... Coming from an actor's background, I want to make it a role that any actor would would want to play because you can't cast everybody in the lead, but you want to give them something fun, something that they can really sink their teeth into and at least have it for their real, if nothing else. And right. that that's the way I write. I like I like that. Um, and uh, you know, it comes from my training when I started this journey in the early 1980s, there weren't these film schools, there wasn't this Tom Savini school, none of it was there, because everybody was busy doing the work that would make them who they would become. Right. So, I had to go into the theater arts department, and I went to one of the top theater schools in Texas, and was trained for acting, uh, trained with Shakespeare, 
trained with movement and all that other stuff. And I had to beg and plead them to let me do makeup on the shows. The thing that I really wanted to do, I had to fight to get to do. So I was training myself to do the makeup while I was getting trained to do all this other stuff. And uh, I uh, I was combed through Fangoria, combed through Cinefix, combed through anything that I could glean from photos of, of Dick Smith or or uh, Rick Baker or Rob Bottin's shelves or whatever. And uh, and one day in the library of the college, I found the Who's Who in America, and I found Dick Smith's address, so I started writing him. And this would have been at the time he was in Prague doing Amadeus. And he wrote me back, You have absolutely no talent. Do not bother becoming a makeup artist. And I was like, Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> But, you know, you have a choice. You could either take that to heart and give up, or you could say, screw you, and and go through with it. And I'm, my, I'm the kind of guy that would say, screw you. So uh, I worked really hard. I started sending him more stuff, and he's like, okay, you're getting better. All right, I see it. Come on, you know. And, you know, he was my mentor for, oh, many, 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 many years. Now he's, he's a friend of mine, and he's well into his early 90s. He's retired. Um, he's more like a grandfather to me than anything now. Right. Um, but you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of teachers I had coming up. Go away, kid. You bother me. That's the first thing they would say. You know, and then then you have to fight to show them that you're worth something, that you're worth these guys' time. Right. And uh, that, those are the mentors I had. Henry Alvarez was one of my sculpting mentors. Uh, Henry used to work for Rob Bottin. He sculpted the RoboCop suit. He sculpted. Legend in uh, Darkness and Legend and Meg Mucklebones. Uh, he's, he was trained by some German ladies uh, in wax museum work. So wow. he, he taught me how to sculpt for the wax museum. Um, very, very demanding man. Very nice, though. He was very nice, very pleasant in his critiques, but, but very, no, you're not seeing it. No, you're not seeing it. No, you're not seeing it. And uh, he art directed me in a couple of my pieces. And, uh, you know, what I would think done was he was like okay that's a good start so uh, you know I studied with these old masters and and I have that sensibility about me and sometimes I rub people the wrong way but you know what that's life yeah that's 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 the way it is uh, another one of my mentors was uh, a guy named Jay Canastracci and I and I think Jay's probably passed on by now but I worked with him uh, on uh, Ace Ventura uh, goes to Africa uh, he was uh, this old Sicilian guy he, he was a he was a Sicilian immigrant that came to this country and landed in the Jewish ghettos of New York and learned to speak Yiddish before he learned to speak English and made his way out to Hollywood and worked his way up through the studio apprentice system under the Westmore's uh, tutelage. So he had some great stories oh, and he, he taught me so much stuff. And I and I speak back then I spoke more German than I do now. And he and I used to carry on in German, and one of the actors who people will know from Amadeus, Simon Callow, uh, also spoke German. So the three of us would carry on in German, and everybody would just look at us like we were crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but it was a great way to pass the time when you're, when you're waiting for, for takes to, to be redone and things like that. So and my mentors are, are the top guys, and it wasn't, oh, hey, great, you're talented, come on. It was like, go away, kid, you bother me, you have to earn this. Right. And... And that's 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 how I learned, yep. you know, a master apprentice, and you have to please the master. That's it, just the way it is. And it takes ambition and take no for an answer. Right, right. You can't take no for an answer, but at the same time, you can't be rude. Right. You know, you you have you have to give people the respect 
that their office demands. Right. And if, if you're disrespectful or if you try and sabotage things, then they don't have time to deal with that. And frankly, neither do I. Neither does anybody working in this industry. We're all busy trying to make a living. Right. And, uh, and that's the way it goes. Now, I'm going to ask you a quick question before I let you go. And it might sound like a dumb question, but I'm just trying to, trying to get into your mind a little bit. The character of Renfield, okay? Now, did it turn out better than what you thought it would be? Uh, I mean, you personally playing the character. I mean, you, mean, you know how it is. You've been doing this for five years or whatever, building this character. Yeah. Right. You know what? I didn't tell you how that all started. So let me, let me tell you how Renfield okay. actually became Renfield. It right. started in 2004. Our effects company was contacted to do effects for this play, a new play of Dracula. That, that was uh, um, putting more of the horror elements that are in the novel in the play. That's the stuff that's generally excised because of the Anne Rice uh, influence. So this guy had gone back and he'd put the horror stuff back in. So I, I said, sure, I've always wanted to do a Dracula movie, and the likelihood of that coming along is, is slim to none right now, so let's do this play. At least we can have some pictures for our, our portfolio. And uh, I went to the casting to see who was going to play Dracula because he has to be young and old and there's not enough time to do a, a prosthetic and then change over. So I was thinking they should double cast two, two actors that look very similar to play Dracula and just alternate them playing young Dracula and old Dracula throughout the play. And they liked that idea. So we went to the auditions and I was looking at them and I gave the director my input and uh, then the audition for Renfield came up and everybody was was being wrong. Nobody was being creepy. Nobody was being scary. They were all being zany or, or foul or rude or whatever. And uh, and she she heard through the grapevine that I had acting training, and she asked me, did I want to audition? And at first I said no. But then I saw the, the travesty that was going on with Renfield, and I'm like, give me that script. So I got up there, and I did my little bit, and I did my Dwight Fry laugh, and then, you know, the oxygen left the room, and all of a sudden there I was in Renfield. <laughs> And what I did was I developed this whole story in my head while I was doing the play of what happens next, what happens next, what happens next. And then the, and that's how I came up with what happened to the character. So I, it came time for us to want to do a vampire movie, and I'm like, okay, Renfield, let's just let's make a Dracula movie. Dracula movies are unique among vampire films. The, vamp, the Dracula vampires have a very uh, ruled mythos. They can turn into things silver, garlic, crosses work on them, wooden stakes uh, do not necessarily kill them, they just pin them in place, decapitation and fire are what killed them. So I went through all that, and we pulled, it, pulled out all that stuff, and, and uh, with the Renfield uh, notes that I had from the play, and we had the beginning. So I'm like, okay, well, what, what kind of movie is it going to be? Well... You know, we just got through Blade and Buffy, and comic books were really big. So I'm like, okay, well, let's make a comic book director. Nobody's ever done that. Right. And um, so that became the structure. And then I was like, okay, well, who's going to be the villain? So I went back to the book, and I read the book, and I was like, oh, well, this is, this is what would happen to them. Okay, and they would be after something. What could Renfield have that these guys would want? Well, okay, what if he has Dracula? And they want to bring Dracula back. So anyway, that's how it all started. And then, then we workshopped the script for years and years, and I actually took the uh, middle chunk of the movie script, which is the uh, Victorian era stuff is a lot longer 
it's, I made a whole play out of the whole Victorian era stuff, and that's going to be the foundation for the second Renfield movie. Because we're really going to go back and show more of Dracula and Renfield interacting, because people are saying, one of the things I've heard is that they want to see more Dracula Renfield stuff. Right. So I'm I'm going to give it to them. I'm to, <laughs> oh, am I going to give it to them? I can't wait. Because <laughs> there there is some stuff where Renfield tears into Dracula and Dracula tears into him, and it's just it's it's just it's that. Oh my God! Did they just say that to each other? You know, one of those kind of things. Right. Um. So uh, that's coming up. But you know, when I first saw the rough cut of the movie, which was pushing three hours, I was like you know what, I did pretty good. Because I'd never seen myself act. I'd never seen myself perform, you know, and I didn't know, could I carry this movie? Yeah, I'm trained. You know, Cecil Pickett was one of my teachers. His daughter, Cindy Pickett, he trained the Quaid brothers, and, you know, you name it, Brett yeah. Spiner. You know, he's trained a lot of genre guys. Um, and I didn't know. But then when I saw myself, and, and the nuances that I put in the character, that everybody's picking up on, I didn't know if I'd overdone it. You know, you have to be careful. Yep. And and I think I hit it just right. So I was very pleased with what I did with the character. Um, people will like it. People will hate it. But all in all, I'm pretty happy with it. Well, coming from somebody who hates Dracula and vampire movies, you must have did something right because that's the first thing that I noticed in that in that movie is the way you played Renfield. I love the character. I love the style that is. You know, like I said before, that the, the kookiness, the evilness, the funniness—you just never know what you're going to do next. And I thought that was so badass. Yeah, there's a line, and I think it sums up Renfield. He just has a very wicked sense of whimsy, and you know, to the extreme, of course. But to him, it's he's just having a laugh. <laughs> never mind that he just yanked that guy's spine out and fed it to him. Right. <laughs> but, to, but to him, oh, it's just. Just a night's entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much the insight as to how I play him. He's just having, you know, he's obviously he's making the best of a very bad situation. Right. Um, you know, he he was rooked into this this deal by his employer to go to this this guy who turns out to be a monster and uh, enslaves him and turns him into this creature just because that guy's having a laugh. You know. Dracula's just doing it because he can and he wants to screw with somebody. Yeah. And uh, so Renfield, uh, be, having that indomitable British spirit, that stiff upper upper lip, you know, well, let's muddle through, uh, turns the frown upside down, basically, and becomes the thing you see in the movie. Right. Now, another thing, real quick, before I let you go, I thought the battle between Renfield and Dracula was cool. Yeah, it was. But it's the next one, the one that ends the series, is going to make the battle between Anakin Skywalker and Obi Wan Kenobi look like kindergarten playtime. Nice. And we have to really have the budget for that to do everything that we're going to want to do for that because it's going to require so much stunt work, so much with the, my creature effects, so much with the CG stuff, and uh, you know that that is. That is the very end of the cycle, is these two will finally face off, once and for all. And I, right now it's set to be told in four pictures. I don't know. Uh, it just depends upon how, how people respond to the franchise. Right. Um, you know, we're going to be bringing Lucy back 
in the next one. And uh, anybody that has read Dracula knows she was the was the vixen girl vampire that liked to eat small children. Ugh. So she's coming back, and she's going to be revived by Renfield with his insane blood. So she's going to be worse than he is. So you're going to have Renfield with his new girlfriend, Lucy. Oh, wow. <laughs> coming in to, to settle a few scores, thank you very much. And uh, and that's, that's, you know, that's the premise right there. Um, we're going to go back in time again, and we're going to tell how Lucy became a vampire and what happened to her. Uh, and then there's some other things I don't want to give away because I do have a few plot twists that nobody's going to see coming. Um, and uh, and if you like the first one, you're going to love the second one. Well, I'm going to make a special announcement right now, and I am going to be called a hypocrite. But now, for the first time in my life, I'm actually looking forward to a Dracula movie, and that will be part two of Renfield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there I said it. <laughs> yep. And the, the interesting thing about that was Roxy Hickson, who plays Mina in this one, actually was playing our Lucy in the stage play. Um, and the lady that was playing Lucy, uh, playing Mina for us in the, in the film, uh, had family tragedies and had to back out at the last minute, and Roxy stepped in to, to play that role for us, because Lucy was just a, a very small uh, part in this film, as you saw from the flashback. Right. Um, so uh, so uh, the new Lucy... She's going to be uh, pretty, pretty dreadful, uh, you know. Uh, and of course, that's what happened to Quincy. Um, Mina will be back, uh, so it's going to be a cat fight between Lucy and Mina, you know. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have some vicious, vicious fights. And right now, I, I've got, I've got the the draft done, but I haven't gotten the com- the first script completed. Uh, uh, all my energy right now is focusing on Project Pangea. We have to get it done. We have to get the the, uh, the second sick film done, and then I have another film uh, called Brimstone, the Son of Lilith, that I want to do before we get back to Renfield too. Um, so it's going to be a couple years uh, because I, I want to raise a proper budget uh, and not have to do this one on such a shoestring uh, because it, it's going to need it. Uh, we want to shoot uh, some of the exteriors actually in Whitby, England, where we premiered the film, and. Uh, and I've been talking with some of the British stars about being being involved with us, uh, make it a true uh, uh, worldwide global venture, and see what we can do. Right. Well, this will be off the record. I don't want no one to hear me say this, but so basically, what you're saying is Renfield Two is probably going to be done. What Tubi? But this one really, really surprised me. For a simple fact, because I'm not a Dracula fan, but I do like it. That's probably one of the reasons why it's so fresh in my head. But I do want to thank you for coming on my podcast, and uh, you were a great guest. Well, thank you for having me. And as Mr. Renfield would say, it's always nice to meet a fan. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. You betcha. Take care.